On February 3rd, 1967, Ronald Ryan was hung uh, in Victoria for murder. He was the last person uh, to have their capital punishment sentence carried out. Uh, And it wasn't even until 1985 that New South Wales was the last state to outlaw the death sentence uh, as a punishment. Uh, The death penalty is a pretty severe punishment, isn't it, Uh, for anyone who breaks the law? And it was really brought to life for us again, wasn't it, with the Bali 9 duo last year uh, from Indonesia. I'm not sure what your views on the death sentence are, but I think we can all agree that it's a very harsh penalty, um, the harshest that there is to offer. And we also need to be dealing with uh, the fact that it's in the Bible, and it's actually in our message today. So in today's section, uh, we're introduced to the brutal consequences for those who disobey God. Uh, They'd be put to death, they'd be stoned to death. And so as we approach this passage today, I want us to be thinking hard about the rightness of the consequence uh, in the the context of Israel. Uh, Consider why should God demand the death penalty for disobedience? Well, let's get stuck in the passage. It'd be really helpful to have that open in front of you. And Moses' first point for the first section there is twofold. You said to worship only God and you to make sure that you sacrifice acceptably to him. Verse 1, do not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep that has any defect or flaw in it. For these the Lord your God hates. The main point from Moses here is pretty simple. You're not supposed to use your dodgy animals, but you're supposed to sacrifice your best to him. Uh, Israel weren't to go and scrape up some roadkill off the footpath and sacrifice that to God, or get their sickest little lamb that's actually useless and sacrifice that to God. Uh, God deserves and has commanded their best, uh, and so that's what they've got to do. Uh, Even though these are obviously the best animals for Israel to eat as well, they need to be sacrificing them to God to show their dedication and thanks. I mean, God has just saved them out of Egypt. They were in slavery uh, for 400 years, and God has saved them out of that and so they need to, and so for them to sacrifice unsuitable animals to God is detestable. Uh, it's a really, uh, a really evil thing for them to do. And so they need to be sacrificing their best animals to God. And secondly, uh, and pretty straightforwardly, Israel are to worship no other God but the Lord. They are to worship Him as He is laid out to be worshipped in the covenant that He has made with them. And they're definitely not to worship other things. Verse 2, If a man or woman among you, uh, in one of the towns the Lord gives you, is found doing evil in the eyes of the Lord your God, in violation of his covenant, and contrary to my commands has worshipped other gods, bowing down to them, or to the sun or the moon or the stars of the sky. Uh, they're not to bow down to any other god or sun or anything else. They're to worship only God. Because Israel are God's special people, chosen from all the other nations. They're this tiny little nation and God has chosen them above all others. And so the condition on them is that they, as God's special people, to obey and to serve and to worship only God. Uh, For he is the only true God and the only one that saved them from Egypt. Uh, For them to worship other people is like, imagine I was the one that happened to give you everything. I guess it's not like a parent. Uh, I've given you your food, your clothes, given you a sweet car, given you a nice house. Uh, and I've actually also freed you from jail, you've done, done some stuff, so I've pulled you out of that, uh, so now you're a free person. And I come round to have your place for dinner, and you sort of introduce me to this little clump of wood sitting on your mantelpiece, and you're like, this is the guy that saved me. He's given me everything. Kind of insulting, isn't it? Uh, it's a bit of a kick of the teeth. And so that is for Israel. Uh, to be practising idol- idolatry, uh, to worship other gods, uh, is in, in the face of God, attributing all that he has done for them to this other useless uh, thing. 
It's an evil practice for Israel to worship other gods. And so a fair and a just punishment needs to be carried out for those who do this. And the just and fair punishment is that they have to be dragged out to the city gates and stoned to death. Partway through verse 4. If it is true, and it has been proved that this detestable thing has been done in Israel, take the man or woman who has done this evil deed to your city gate and stone that person to death. On the testimony of two or three witnesses, a man shall be put to death. No one shall be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. The hands of the witnesses must be the first in putting him to death. God has established here a just process for it to all be handed out. Uh, you'll see in verse 6 and 7 that it's only on a number of witnesses that someone, someone can be put to death. It's not just a one-on-one thing. And then you'll see there that the, the people who have accused him have to be the first person to throw the stone as well so that their conscience will accuse them and stop them from doing it uh, if it's not true. But it's more than just being unjust and a, a, a well-set-up system. Uh, it's also a fair punishment for the crime. Israel have been given everything by God. He sustains their very lives and has brought them to a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, He's delivering them from the nations around them and protecting them from the bigger, stronger nations that surround them. And he is the creator of the universe. And he has chosen them, this tiny little nation, to be his special possession. Rebellion against God by any one of his chosen people definitely and fairly deserves death. Death is a terrible thing. and It's the worst consequence that can come to a person. But it's the only consequence that is that is large enough for those who sin against God in this way, who worship other idols and other things. And it's more than just a punishment for the crime there, though. You'll notice that it has a secondary reason that they need to kill the person. Verse 7, the hands of the witnesses must be the first in putting him to death, and then the hands of all the people, you must purge the evil from among you. All the people of Israel are to help kill this person uh, because that way they are reminded that they serve God and God alone. See, this person needs to be removed from Israel uh, because they are evil and Israel is to be a pure nation in the service of God. Uh, This person is like a cancer within the nation uh, that if it's not cut out will spread its deadly mutations all throughout the nation and kill the whole nation. And so the person who worships a false god deserves and needs to be killed and removed from their nation. Uh, But how does that sit with you? Uh, It's pretty drastic. Stoning is a really bad way to die. Do you think that someone really deserves to be killed just for worshipping another god on the side? Uh, Is that really that serious? Well, that's the first section. Uh, We're going to worship God, uh, Israel to worship God rightly and him alone. Uh, Otherwise, there's the fair consequences uh, necessary consequences of being stoned to death. And so this first section helps us understand part of what it means for Israel to be God's special people in the land. Uh, it's to maintain their place uh, as God's pure people, worshipping only him, uh, to ensure that they spend a long time in the land. But uh, the, and, but how are they to ensure that society as a whole was just? Uh, this is sort of dealing specifically with God. How are they supposed to deal with the mundane things of life? Well, verse 8 helps us to understand uh, what they're to do. If cases come before your courts that are too difficult for you to judge, whether bloodshed, lawsuits or assaults, take them to the place the Lord your God will choose. Go to priests who are Levites and to the judge who is in office at that time. These officials are appointed 
around the nation to make decisions about cases that are too difficult for the local courts. That's kind of a great system that God has set up here in Israel. So you've got your local courts that can deal with the sort of the mundane day-to-day issues uh, and some the bigger courts getting clogged up. But then the bigger courts are there for them to deal with uh, particularly tough cases like murder and things like that, uh, which is actually very similar to our court structures today. And what this all helps us understand is that God is a God who is concerned with justice in the Israelite society. These judges and officials are appointed by God to bring justice and make fair and right decisions throughout Israel with God's authority, with the result that a just society will enable the people of Israel to serve God faithfully and so live in the promised land for a long time. God created the world and ordered in a good place, and so Israel should reflect that. And this is why we again see the death penalty brought out as a just and fair punishment for those who disregard the decisions of the officials. Uh, Moses can't be any clearer about his expectations for them to follow these officials. Verse 10, you must act according to the decisions they give you at the place the Lord will choose. Be careful to do everything they direct you to do. Act according to the law they teach you and the decisions they give you. Do not turn aside from what they tell you to the right or to the left. The man who shows contempt for the judge or for the priest who stands ministering there to the Lord, your God, must be put to death. You must purge the evil from Israel. Moses warns against those who are arrogant and think they stand above God's appointed rulers. And so again, the evil must be purged from Israel. And so this rebellious citizen is to be put to death, another cancer removed from the body. It is again a reminder to Israel for their need of obedience. Verse 13, all the people will hear and be afraid and will not be contemptuous again. Israel are God's special people, and so they need to worship God alone. And Israel is God's special people, uh, and so they are to be respecting and obeying the rulers that he has placed in authority over them, so that they might have a just society and be freed up to serve him faithfully. God wanted Israel to be this society that reflected his order and served him as the creator over them. So that's a picture of the nation as a whole. And then in our last section today, we zoom in on one individual, a significant individual within Israel society, uh, the king. And God helps us understand what kind of person he wants this king to be. He basically lays out four criteria for us. Uh, we'll go through verse 3 quickly. Verse 15. Be sure to appoint over you the king the Lord your God chooses. He must be a fro- among your brothers. Do not place a foreigner over you one who is not a brother is right. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them, for the Lord has told you you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. So there are three basic things in all of that that God wants uh, from his king. He is to be God's choice first and foremost. He is to be an Israelite, uh, one of them. And he's not to acquire heaps of stuff so that he can remain focused on the job. But lastly, and most importantly, from verse 18, the king of Israel is to be one who humbly obeys the law of God. Verse 18, when he takes the throne of his kingdom, he's to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law, taken from that of the priests who are the Levites. It is to be with him, and he is to read it all the days of his life, so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law, and these decrees, and not consider himself better than his brothers, and turn from the law to the right or to the left. The king is set up to be the leader of Israel both politically and spiritually. 
He's to be the prime example of one of God's special people living correctly under the law. He's to be the kind of leader that we all appreciate. Uh, the one who realises that they have an important job that sits them above and over uh, uh, in charge of other people. Uh, but that they're in service of other people, not better than their brothers and sisters. Uh, but they also must submit themselves to God as the higher power. And it was important for the king to live humbly under God's law uh, because he is this prime example. But secondly, uh, it's important for him because the future of his kingdom depends on it. Verse 20, And he's not to consider himself better than his brothers and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Uh, Then his descendants will reign a long time over his kingdom in Israel. Uh, There's a condition on the king, uh, just like the two previous conditions placed on the people, uh, is a fair and just condition. If Israel king humbly submits himself to God's law, like the rest of his people, then God will establish his kingdom forever. The king's faithfulness to God would mean that he didn't have to worry about being kicked off by some uh, people coming up the ranks and trying to depose him, uh, he can, or other nations crowding in around him, but he can sit securely on his throne, knowing that his kingdom is firmly established by God. But we also get the flip side, don't we, of this whole thing? Uh, if the king gets a bit cocky, uh, if he acts above his brothers, then God will not maintain his kingdom. His reign and that of his children will be over. The king was to be the chief example for Israel, leading his people to worship God alone and obeying the law of those in the land, promoting a just society that all people might serve God. And the failure for the king uh, would be that his kingdom would end. And we saw that the failure for the people to do these things and follow his example was that they would forfeit their lives. Well, this is part of the law uh, that Israel were given as they entered into the promised land. I guess there's a few questions. How did they go? Uh, Did they nail it or did they stuff up? And what has this got to do with us, uh, this law given so many years ago? Well, firstly, they spectacularly failed at keeping the law. Uh, It didn't take them very long. Uh, Their first king, uh, a few years after this was given, was Saul. Uh, He was this big, handsome guy, kind of like Fabio. Uh, A lot lot to look at, but not much else going on there. Uh, He didn't follow God's laws, uh, and he didn't obey them. uh, Corruption was was rife in his his country. And so ultimately he was replaced by God's king, uh, God's chosen king, King David. But even he, he stuffed up, we all know about that. Uh, And it wasn't just the king that stuffed up, though, in the land. Uh, All of Israel worshipped all kinds of other things from the land. There was corruption amongst all the officials who were supposed to be bringing God's justice to the land. Uh, Much of the rest of the Old Testament tells us, doesn't it, about the stories of disobedient kings and officials and peoples, uh, all failing to live as God wants them to, as God's special people in the land. Uh, And so it all ended um, when God had had enough of their disobedience Uh, And he got the Babylonians in and deported them all. They failed to purge the evil from amongst themselves, and so God did it instead. For Israel, uh, the cancer of disobedience had infected the whole body, and so God had to basically cut the whole thing off with only this tiny remnant left. And so after that, uh, the the nation never really recovered. Uh, They sat in exile for a while, and back in the promised land under the thumb of foreign powers... And they failed to live as God's special promised people. And so the question is raised then, could there ever be a people to actually follow these laws, uh, to live faithfully to God? Well, thankfully, as we've probably all guessed, 
Uh, God didn't leave the story here. Uh, he kind of knew Israel before he even gave them the law, and he knew people and how they functioned. And so from eternity past, uh, God has planned to make for himself us people who are faithful. And he started that process by installing his humble and obedient king on the throne, his very own son, Jesus. Remember Philippians 2 from a few weeks ago? Philippians 2, 6. Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus came as God's ultimate obedient king. Uh, But even more than just being the king, Luke 3 and 4 tells us that Jesus came as the ultimate and obedient Israel. Uh, See, he remains obedient to God through all the trials of his life. And so Jesus is the true Israelite, uh, the one who is truly God's promised and special people. And so from Jesus, uh, this true Israelite, all blessing flows to other people. Jesus' obedience didn't just guarantee his kingdom would last forever, uh, but it meant that others can join in the blessings. Uh, Through his obedience, uh, that both Jews uh, and non-Jews alike uh, can come and be part of God's special people now, uh, if you trust in Jesus. But what was the nature of Jesus' obedience? Uh, Was it just following the laws? Well, it was even more than that, wasn't it? Uh, We see again in Philippians that it was Jesus' obedience to death on a cross, uh, but this death wasn't for disobedience, uh, like we saw in Deuteronomy. He didn't worship other gods, and he didn't disobey God's appointed officials. But Jesus died for our disobedience, so that we don't have to. Uh, it's a great swap. See, I don't know if you would realise it, but we all deserve uh, to face the consequences, like in Deuteronomy. We all deserve to be marched out of town and stoned to death because of our disobedience. Uh, yet instead, Jesus was marched out of town and crucified on the cross. Uh, He took the punishment that we all deserve so that we can now live with God forever. This is amazing. Trusting in the true king, the true Israelite, means that we get to live uh, in God's just society in heaven forever. Uh, The game has drastically changed for what it means to be God's special people. Uh, We no longer depend on our own obedience like Israelites were, uh, for Christ has obeyed in our place. And so when we get to be with Jesus, we'll actually also finally be transformed to obey him perfectly. Uh, So that's great, isn't it, to look to the vision of the future, uh, our citizenship in heaven, but what are we supposed to actually do now in Belmain in 2016? Uh, We're not in heaven yet, I think that's pretty obvious. We're also not Israel, uh, so we are God's special people, but what what has the law got to do with us uh, as non-Israelites, as Christians? Well, uh, the Old Testament law is given by God for us as well. Uh, It helps us to teach us principles for what it means to live as God's special people. I've heard it described as the scaffolding around a building. Uh, We are the building, uh, but the scaffolding, which is the law, gives us, uh, lets us understand the shape of what our lives are to look like. And so sometimes it's, it's hard to apply the principles from the law uh, that we learn each week, but I think this week uh, we can see that it's pretty straightforward as to what we do. Uh, I think we're still to worship God alone. Uh, we now have a fuller revelation of what that means. We now understand that God is Father, Son, and Spirit, and He's revealed Himself to us through Jesus. Uh, we now look back on Him uh, to the event of the cross rather than the Exodus uh, for our, our uh, to see where our salvation came. And so we're to worship and serve Him and Him alone. I don't think many of us here are going to be serving other gods. Uh, But the saying goes something like this, I think. 
You can tell what someone worships by how you spend your money and how you spend your time. So I think this week we need to be reflecting. We might not you know, explicitly worship other gods, but do we worship other things? Uh, are we giving generously of our time and money to the work of the gospel? Do we need to prior- are we prioritising spending time with him and his people? Uh, let me encourage us to be reflecting on that. Uh, and thankfully, uh, if we've disobeyed God and worshipped other things, we no longer have to get stoned to death, uh, which is a great thing. We don't have to have some rocks outside church each week. Uh, but we get to gather together as God's saved people uh, through Christ. And secondly, I want you to think about what it means for us to obey authorities. I think the principle from this section in Deuteronomy 17 probably can go a few different ways. Uh, but one important thing for us to do is though we're not a nation like Israel having a law over us, God still commands us to obey the human authorities that he's put and set over us here in Australia uh, and wherever we're from. 1 Peter 2.13 Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. We're to obey the authorities over us, uh, firstly, because God has put them there and he commands us to obey them. And secondly, God has put them there to promote a just and a fair society, uh, which is what God wants for the world. And it also, and this justice and stability enables us uh, to meet together like this, publicly and freely, to worship our God. So we're to obey our governments because that is what God wants and it allows us to meet freely. And uh, we're to obey them even in the annoying things because God wants a stable and just society for us to serve as his people. Well, I for one am glad uh, that I no longer have the death penalty hanging over me uh, in Australia, though I haven't done anything too bad to warrant that yet. But um, but particularly, I'm glad that I no longer have the death penalty hanging over me from God. For every time I fail to worship him alone, and for the times when I disobey his earthly authorities. Uh, we should be glad and thankful that Jesus has already taken the death penalty that we deserve, and that we've earned many times over and that we can now have eternal life instead. So as we live now as God's special people, let us live as faithful people of God. Let us worship him alone, and let us be those who stand out from the crowd and obey the authorities around us, that we too might love and support a just and fair society and be freed up to serve him, serve God all our days.